John is, uh, is here to share the word. We got together last week, just kind of brainstorming together since it's a matter of preaching uh, two months or two decades. It's so, so important just to talk with someone to brainstorm, get other people's opinions and, and things like that. And when he was sharing about what he was uh, going to be teaching on today, I got really excited. <laughs> uh, because there's a lot of good stuff in it, a lot of powerful things. And it's really exciting because uh, John is actually going to school to be a pastor. Uh, and so this is not just his ability to feed into us, which is awesome. Amen. But also for us to pour into him and give him opportunities to, to speak and, and, and know what it's like as a pastor. We just bless him for that. Right? <laughs> so he's an awesome guy. He's got a great word that's come for us. So let's just, um, let's just encourage him in our prayers right now. And Lord, we thank you so much for John and Amy and everything that they do. Uh, here, Lord, they're such wonderful people, such humble servants who are always willing to give and to, and to do whatever is necessary in your kingdom. We just bless them, Lord. And Lord, we pray right now that our hearts would just be ready to receive what you have given to John uh, to preach on. We just pray that you just feel encouraged and loved, that there's no judgment in this room, but we are ones as brothers and sisters just coming around and just saying, hey, we just want to learn what you've been learning for, Lord. We just thank him and thank his wife for all that they sacrifice and do in this community. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 All right, well, thank you, Pastor Dave. This is a different spot for me. I'm usually all the way back there. <laughs> so this is uh, interesting for me. Um, I'm very happy to be here. I'm very happy to share the word of God. Um, it's no small task. Um, as there's many of us that have shared the word here, given the word right from this. And I just wanted to give a chance just to us recognize that the Lord has given us many people through many different backgrounds and many different um, ethnicities and genders that have spoken the word of God. And I just was wondering if you could just raise your hand so people in the congregation see that you preached here. That's, that's a pretty good number right there. So there's, there's quite a bit of us. So I'm, I'm just humbled to be part of, part of the group. So, so um, I'm not exactly sure how to work this, but I'm gonna try my best. So, oh, we need to go back. Okay, there it goes. So the, my, my intro to my um, sermon is, I'm gonna be talking to you about faith and fear. Now that might seem like we were just talking about that during worship. So that's, that's kind of cool that my message title is Faith Versus Fear. And uh, it is um, something that's touched my heart. The, the book of Mark is where we're going to be preaching from today. And it has, when you read the whole book of Mark from front to cover, there's like so much that's going on in there. And uh, there's some really big ideas. But I want to hit on who Mark is. And, uh, but while I'm giving you some background on Mark. If you want to turn your Bibles to Mark 4, 35 to 543. Now that's a long section. We're not going to be able to go over everything in that section, but we're going to highlight some stuff. So we're going to talk about who is Mark first. So we know that Mark is associated with Paul and Peter. He was an associate of them. We know this because um, in the book of Acts, we know that Mark went on the first missionary journey with Paul. We know that they had an altercation and he didn't go on the second, but we know at some point that he 
they reconciled because he asked for Mark to come, that he is useful for him. So we know that he was associated with Paul, but he's more in line with Peter. We also know that he was present during the events that led up to the cross and the resurrection. Um, and we know that he was associated with Peter because he was Peter's scribe, meaning like people associate Mark was writing down things that Peter had said. So he was kind of more, because Peter, Mark wasn't there when Jesus was in the beginning of his ministry. He was more later. So um, Mark is not mentioned anywhere in his book, though, where that we associate with him. He is not. And, but there is something that, the theologians have come up, come up with. In Mark 14, 51, 52, there's a young man that is mentioned who had followed along with Jesus. No hint of his identity is given, but many theologians think this is Mark himself, that he was present when Jesus was on the cross. So th that's interesting. That's interesting. So we have the theme of the book of Mark. Oh, I forgot he was from a wealthy family, too. There we go. So the theme of Mark, believe it or not, comes right from verse one of the book. It, it's, it's very telling that uh, you can find the theme right from the beginning, the beginning of the good news about Jesus and the, the Messiah, the Son of God. And throughout the whole book, that's his main point. He's trying to prove that Jesus is the Son of God. And you'll be able to see that through all the little nuggets that he gives us. So, you should see evidence of the sonship throughout the gospel, and now let's get into our main text. If you're not there, Mark 430, 435 to 543, there's, we're going to look at four things in these sections. The, the first section, we're going to look at these events. There's four different events that we're going to look at. And we're going to highlight things in those sections. We're going to look at the people first. Who are the people mentioned and what were they doing? We're going to look at faith. And we're going to highlight faith when faith occurs. And we're going to highlight fear when fear occurs. We're also going to look for something that I call the twist. Or how the story unravels. We think it would go this way. But it actually goes another way. Another direction. It's kind of counter-cultural, either for their culture or for our culture. Jesus is also going to um, do supernatural things to prove that he is the Son of God throughout these four events. So that brings us to our first event. People, see, I've got to get used to doing this. So there's the twist and the miracles. The first event, Jesus calms the storm. Oh, went too far. All right. So Jesus calming the storm. We, everybody's pretty much familiar with it, but give you a little background of the story or the event. Um, we have Jesus and the disciples on the boat. Jesus is sleeping in the front of the boat. The, the disciples are in the boat, working the boat, and they're traveling on the Sea of Galilee. A big storm comes, and they, they are like stirred in emotion, and this is where we get the first fear they get because they're afraid of drowning or dying. So they wake up Jesus. Uh, Jesus calms the storm, and that brings us to, let's see. 
uh, we can see that in Mark 4.41, he said to his disciples, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? So that brings us to the second fear. Jesus controlled nature itself. And then they said in 441, they were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. That's pretty telling that they were afraid twice in one story. And Jesus asked them, where's your faith? I like this story. Um, to me, when you see the disciples, we always think they have it together. We always think that they, they were like the ones with Jesus. They were on the ground with him. They had it together. But they were men just like us. They were, they were the insiders, but at times they acted like outsiders. And if you read the whole Gospel of Mark, he pretty much proves that the disciples over and over again did not understand what Jesus was coming to do. They did not understand that. So, in that sense, we understand it. Which brings us to the twist in this story. You would think of all people, the disciples would have had faith. But in this case, they did not. Later, they do, but not, not yet. The teaching point I want to prove to you is we can go to Jesus when we're afraid. The disciples, when they're on that boat, thinking that they are going to die, the, the person they turned to was Jesus. And we have that ability. When we're afraid, we can go and seek Jesus out through prayer, through, you know, you know I know people that like fast a lot, large amount of time just to get to, to into the presence of God. We praise and worship just to get to God, to get away from fear. So to me, when we're, when we're afraid, we need to trust in God more and believe in him more. The final part of this story or the nugget that I wanted to talk about is um, that Jesus had, and you probably can't read that, but it says dominion over nature itself. And then we have the two quotes that Jesus said. So now we're up to event two. I do want, don't want to cross over the dominion of nature. It is a proof claim that he is the son of God, and that is important for us to know. And that's, like I said, Mark's main theme in the whole book, that he is who he says he is. So we're up to the next event. And to me, this is another event. We have um, Jesus restoring a man who is possessed, a demon-possessed man. And I don't know if you guys are going to be able to see it on the map. Um, they're crossing the Sea of Galilee. The Sea of Galilee is all the way up top. You see the Jordan River come down and then the Dead Sea down below. Um, if you see Gadara, that's kind of the region where he's at right now. They were in the storm. They went there. The, the, the reason that this is important to understand is we've now moved into a Gentile city. This is no longer um, part of Judea. And we have the people that are involved in this. We have the we have the demon-possessed man, and we have the townspeople of the area. We can see fear first. We can see fear first in two places, but the first one is in Mark 6, 7a. It's from the demon's perspective. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees. In front of him, he shouted at the top of his voice, what do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I also want to make a note that 
the demon is referring to him as the son of the most high God. Again, theme of Mark. So I, I like to make a little note of whenever I see that in the scripture. So we have the story. Um, Jesus there, the demons possessing the guy. We have an altercation between the two of them. And Jesus, he asks if they can go into the pigs. They go to the pigs. The pigs run into the water and drown. And then the man is in his right mind. Which brings us to the second fear. The demon, okay, second fear. The, the people of the town. And the people of the town's reaction is, when they see the pigs run into the ocean, they run back and tell everybody what they saw. They come back. They see the man. And we knew this. When they came in Mark 5.15, when they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there dressed in his right mind, and they were afraid. You would have to ask yourself, why are they afraid? Right? That's what, one of the questions I asked. This kind of is the twist that I was talking to you about. You would think that they would be grateful for, um, they would be grateful for the restoring of their brother. But they weren't. They're, the twist is, they're going to ask Jesus to leave. That's pretty, pretty, pretty striking. You don't know what miracles Jesus could have done there, but he honors their wishes and leaves. But this is, this is our twist, because... The people are afraid and send Jesus away. And in, our, in the scripture, it just says that, um, Mark 5, 17, then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. They're like, hey, we don't want any of this here. Just leave. And then this is my, one of my favorite teaching points of it. We can sometimes miss a good thing because we are afraid. Let that sink in a little. When I told that to my wife, she was just like, Oh, that is so good. <laughs> so, but to me, how many times have I missed out on good things because I allowed fear to stop me? How many times when there was someone I wanted to share the word of God with, but I didn't do it because I was afraid? You know, how many times have we done that? And to me, it's something that we have to be aware of, but we need to get past it. Yes. We need to get past it. Yes. So that brings us to um, Jesus having dominion over the supernatural. So we have the natural world and the supernatural world. He's in, the Lord is the Lord of both of those realms. Amen. And that's, that's his theme. He's going through and saying that he's the son of God, but he's also making sure that we, hey, this is what I'm going back to, that he's, in, he's the king of the, the natural world and the supernatural world. And to me, that's very powerful. Amen. So then we're going to go up to the, our next event. And I know I'm kind of going through these events a little fast, but... <clears throat> Jesus heals a sick woman. Now, I, I want to say this is going to be a little graphic, and I apologize. Um, the woman, um, I don't know if everybody remembers the story, she was bleeding for 12 years. And a woman in this condition could not marry, and she was poor. And we know that she was poor because in Mark 5.26 it says, she had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she got worse. That indicates 
that she, um, well, she could not go to enter the temple because of her condition, because she is considered unclean, and her life was in danger. So she, this woman's in peril. This woman's in peril. She's looking for something. However, we have to go through the law first. So we go to the book of Leviticus, 15 through 28, 30. In here, there's a, um, and I'm trying to be very delicate in this because it's not an easy subject to talk about, but in the, the Levitical law, a woman had, when, um, and I'm just going to read the scripture, when the woman's bleeding stops, she must count off seven days, then she will be ceremonial and clean. On the eighth day, she must bring two turtle doves or two young pigeons and present them to the priest at the entrance of the tabernacle. The priest will offer one, of, one for a sin offering and the other for a burnt offering. Through this process, the priest will purify her before the Lord for the ceremonial impurity caused her by her bleeding. And that's what the scripture says. So, uh, and the other thing is that anybody who touches her or she touches them, they would become unclean. They would be I hate to use the word contaminated, but that's kind of what they would think. Because it, it doesn't matter if it's an object or if it's a person. That had to be cleaned before anybody could use it or sit on, sit on it or anything, or it would be transferred. So it's very, um, this is the context of what the woman is thinking. And so she's forbidden in the temple. She's forbidden to do anything. So she goes among a crowd and the woman is healed. Hallelujah. So she's healed, but this is the first faith that we see in the first, two, first stories. We're on story three, and this is the first mention of faith, which I thought was powerful. Um, we know that this is the case because the woman, the woman is saying in Mark 5.28, when she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Amen. Just touching. Although, as in many cases, fear returns. When Christ asked who's touched her, she realizes that she has violated the law. The woman realizes that she's violated the law and she comes to, to Jesus in, the, in Mark 5.33. The woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at the feet and trembled with, with fear, told him the whole truth. Now, this brings us to our twist. Now, on the slides, I only have one twist. The twist is that Christ did not become unclean when the woman touched him, but he made her clean. So he was not defiled, he cleansed her. And that is, that is a good one. But I went back and I was looking at this, and there's actually two more. This is the, the faith one. This is where it's got the most impact. And the, Christ had the ability to punish the woman. He did not do so. He did not punish her. Under the law, the priest would have punished her, and the punishment could be death. So, basically, he gave her life Amen. and cleansed her. Amen. The second thing I want to put out, on a patriotical society, the first person to show faith is a woman. That's topsy-turvy in their world. Not so much in ours, but in theirs, a woman is the first one to have faith. And in my experience, women in general have more faith. 
Now, I know that's generalizing, but I would have to say that that's true. So I think that's cool. And then my teaching point for this is sometimes we need to recognize the need to pursue faith. We need to do some action. Sometimes you have to get out of the seat. Sometimes you have to say a word. Sometimes there's something you need to do. You need to act. And it's something that we need to think about. We also have Jesus, Son of God, is also dominion over sickness. So we have natural, supernatural, sickness. So we have that we're building. I always look at it as a step, each step he's making a step in it. So and that brings us to our fourth story. Jesus raised a dead girl. So uh, we have the people in this, this, this event. We have Jairus, who is a synagogue leader. And I always say this is in contrast to the first story, because we have a woman, and she's poor. Now we have a religious official, and he is rich, and he's man. So there's a kind of this contrast. But this man also shows faith because he seeks out Jesus to, to heal his daughter. But it's out of fear that his daughter is sick. So there's fear and faith um, present in the, the first section of it. So when she reports, when, when the reports come back that the woman has, the, the little daughter has died, we hear this in Mark 5:36. Overhearing what they had said that the, the little girl died, Jesus told the parents, "Don't be afraid, just believe." And this gets us to our twist. When the report ever did, okay. Teaching point. This gets to our teaching point. What looks impossible to man is possible with God. In Jewish culture, death was seen as final. There's no coming back. It's one thing to believe in healing from a teacher. It's another to believe bringing someone back from the dead. This is, in some, this is something that the Jewish people put limits on. It's on what could be done, and bringing someone back from the dead just did not happen. So that's why they're like, don't bother the teacher. Don't do it. Jesus says, just believe. The girl, he goes, grabs her by the hand, and... The girl raises from the dead. So we have dominion now. It's a little red, so you can't see that, but it says dominion over death itself. Now, all four stories um, show us that Jesus has um, divinity over or dominion over the world, the supernatural, sickness, and in death. And if you look at all the elements of the stories, four of those stories, all four, have a common theme of death. You have the, the disciples thinking they're going to die in the boat. You have the, um, the paralytic man. I don't know if I mentioned this at first, but he lives in tombs where dead people are. The third, third one, the woman, it's only a matter of time before you, 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 ble- you bleed to death. So her, that's the thing. And then we have an actual death, which of the little girl. So it's kind of the theme that death is through this, but Jesus brings life. I want to go into definitions because I think that's important. Um, definitions. The first one is, what is fear? What is fear? Um, 
Fear is an unpleasant emotion caused by the belief that something or someone is dangerous, likely to cause pain or a threat. That's what fear is. What is fear? Went too fast. An unpleasant emotion caused by the belief that someone or something is dangerous, likely to cause pain or a threat. But we want to talk about what is faith, the counter to fear. And faith is complete trust or confidence in someone or something. And in our context, we'd have complete trust in Jesus Christ. I love acronyms. Uh, it's, an acronym is when you take the first word, when you take a word and the first letter means something to everything. So it, sometimes it's hard to remember definitions, but it's easier to remember acronyms. So I thought I'd make, show you some. These are not my, of mine. I've seen these many times. An easy way to remember. Fear stands for false evidence appearing real. It's something that you think is true, but it isn't. And then for faith, forsaking all, I trust in him. So we forsake all the information, the circumstances, the information, and we trust in God. That's, that to me is like, when we, when we can see that, those are easier to remember than what the definitions are. I want to do a recap because I think these points are important. I'll recap. We can go to Jesus when we experience fear. I didn't want these to be lost in all the slides, so I thought going over them again would be a good thing. We have that ability. We live in a free country today that we can go to Jesus. We can go to any church we want to. We have, we have so much in this country that we can do, and then we can go to Jesus when we experience fear and when we're afraid. Other countries we're not, are not given that much freedom to do that. We can sometimes miss a good thing because we are afraid. Um, don't, be, don't allow fear to stop you from doing something. You never know what will happen. You never know what blessing will happen. We need to recognize the need to pursue faith. Faith requires action. There's no other way of saying it. You need to tr put your trust in God, and it requires you to do something about it. Amen. Not in every circumstances, but there in circumstances that, that it is needed. What looks impossible to man is possible with God. I had a question. Do you guys put limits on what God can do in your life? It's kind of rhetorical, but it's kind of like, a, how do you guys think, you know? Is there something you think the Lord can do in other people's lives? Or can he do it in everybody's lives? So, to me, that's good. So, what does this mean for us? We've seen four different stories. They have in common many things. People in situations of peril, fear, faith, miracles, twist endings. But what does it mean for us? To me, it should bring us comfort. Why would, you say, why would I say comfort? Um, when um, I look at the disciples, I was a person who always like, oh, these are the people that have it together. This is the, the, the people that I should emulate. And then we see them fail over and over again. And I'm like, 
how could they for Jesus is right there. How could they how could that they fail? But when I look in my own life and see where fear has had a wedge in my life at times, I can I can relate to them. They're they're more relatable. Because they, they don't have it together. That that Jesus in their midst was willing to be patient and stay with them and teach them and continually to teach them until his death on the cross. And then he sends the Holy Spirit later. So they're never really without him at all. So I want to talk about a time in my life when I had fear. Now, I am going to be graduating college in December. But, thank you, thank you. But it didn't start out like, it didn't start out the best. Because I started school in, when I was 35. Now I am 45. So it took 10 years to get my bachelor's, which is embarrassing in the sense. But in the other sense, where how life went, the ebb and flows of life. But to make the decision to go in the first place, I had to sell all my possessions. I had to, um, I basically put out fleeces all the time because I was afraid. I was like, well, what if this happens? What if this happens? How am I going to pay for things, you know? So it was all financial and stuff like that. So I threw out fleeces like, Lord, you have to pay for it. I'll do my part and sell everything, but you're going to have to do your part and get me there. Um, it, wasn't, it wasn't the easiest decision to make the, or step out in faith to do because I had to leave my family in New Jersey. I had like sell all my, my things. The, the day that I went for orientation, my sister actually tried to commit suicide which brought me back for that time, and then I was missing stuff, but it was just a turmoil of time. And I was just like, I just gotta keep trusting, keep trusting, keep trusting. And um, I come to this, this scripture, and this scripture just helped me. And it was Mark 9, 23, 24. And then it's in another story in Mark where Jesus is talking to a father who's brought his child to Jesus. And it's the context. So, and this is what it says. Jesus said to him, if you believe, all things are possible to him who, be who believes. Immediately, the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Amen. I love this scripture. It's, it's, it's one of my favorite scriptures because I don't have it all together. I don't. I can stand here and tell you I do not have it all together. But this is my prayer every day. Lord, I believe. Help me when I don't believe. And I know, according to his word, that he's not going to leave me where I am at now. And you can see the progression. It might have taken me 10 years to graduate college, but I'm going to do it. Not by my strength, but by his. So that's why I say it's encouragement. I want to talk about other things ways that we can increase our faith. Sometimes when we're in troubling situations occur, we can go to Christ. The disciples did. I think an excellent way to go to Christ is prayer. It's an excellent way to defeat fear. Another thing that we don't always talk about is going to our brothers and sisters in the Lord who can pray and reassure us when we are having fearful fear come of us. One thing in my life, I, I've had five knee surgeries in the last three years, five.
every one of them had their different difficulties. And every time I was just like, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can do this. My wife was there to pray with me and strengthen me. And she helped me overcome my fear and says, John, we're going to do this together. We're going to do this with the Lord. You're not alone. And to me, that's what our brothers and sisters are there for. And I implore you, if you have fear in your life, seek out a brother and sister and let them know about your, your, your struggle. You're not alone. You're not alone. The second uh, thing, I kind of got away from this. Okay. <laughs> so there's the, the quote from Mark 9.23. And we have, because God will not leave us, and he will strengthen us over time. So what does this mean? I, and a second thing, I said the first one was comfort. The second one, I think, is encouragement. In this passage, we look at 1 Timothy, and I love this one. 1 Timothy 1.7, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power of love and a sound mind. God has given us powers. We, we don't have to be a slave to fear, like the song says. We have power. We have the power to walk in faith. And when we do this, God's strength is in, in God's strength, not ours. It is because of what Christ has done. He is our source, and he gives it to us so we can accomplish his will. There's a song on Christian radio. I don't know if everybody listens to Christian radio. I listen to it all the time. I work at a thrift store, and I always have it on. I love it, and it's, it's, it's encouraging to me. K-Love, there's a plug for K-Love. There's a song called uh, Fear is a Liar by Zach Williams. I don't know if everybody's familiar with it. Uh, in the, the, the chorus, it says, cast your fear in the fire because fear is a liar. This is us giving it to God, casting it away, and realizing what truth is, and that is of the Lord. He has a powerful um, testimony, Zach Williams, and I wanted to read a quote that he wrote. The promise has been so helpful to me during times in my life when my future was unclear or when I assumed the worst would certainly happen. I came to find out that I really had nothing to fear at all. I learned that fear, fears are not facts. Amen. So that's his quote, and that's, it was powerful to me, and I just wanted to give it to you. I wanted to go over my big idea one more time just because I didn't want it to get lost in all this. Faith is the remedy for fear. Trusting in God is the key and the way to get your fear. At this time, I want to ask Pastor Dave to come up, um, and the musicians can come on up. I, I want to... I feel led to do this. I, I don't know if everybody's saved, but if you have not put your trust in the Lord, if you have never accepted Christ as your Savior, and the reason might be because you're afraid... This is your day. This is the thing. This might be hard for you to step out and say, you know what, I have not accepted Christ because I'm afraid. I ask you to come on up. If you want to talk to any of our leaders or pastors, they'll be up here if you want prayer or anything like that. But that's something that I think that it needs to come out, that sometimes we allow fear to stop us from doing what that good might result. And that result is having a relationship with the Lord and Savior. So I want to turn it over to Pastor Dave. I will clap up for John. John, thank you.